Well, babe, you're officially a mom. And you're officially a dad. <laughs> so my wife, Angela, is definitely my favorite blogger and YouTuber extraordinaire. And she's a pretty amazing wife, I must add. And my guess is that a lot of you may have seen my husband, Matt, on TV or in the movies. Wyatt from Timeless, Liam from 90210, anyone? Chicago from Pitch Perfect 3. I mean, he's bringing the sexy. All right, all right. So if you guys didn't know, Angela and I created a podcast called Hello Bump to chronicle our journey as expecting first-time parents. We really just started it for something for us to look back on, but we ended up really loving our weekly chat. Yeah, so much so that we couldn't stop there. I mean, now is the fun part, right? Now is the payoff for the nine months of pregnancy. Now is where our life begins. We have a brand new beautiful baby girl and we are so in love. And we want you guys to come on this new journey with us of figuring out, frankly, how to raise this little thing. We know it's going to be tough at times, but we also know the rewards are great. We're going to be chatting week to week about the joys and the struggles of learning how to do this parenting thing. I'm pretty sure we're going to mess up a lot. But from every mistake comes a lesson that we can pass on to you. So join us in this wild ride as we undertake our newest challenge, parenthood. Hello, Hello baby. baby. Hello, baby. Episode number 73. We're going to talk about the origins of baby food. Did you hear me? That, that was very unclear. I said, we're going we're gonna to talk about it. I thought you were clear. I understood what you were saying. What I said was, we're going to talk about the origins of baby food. Hey, give me a little volume in that mic, Angela. As in, like, you want me to do the testing, testing, one, two, three? Yeah, but, you know, remember, remember, like, keep it just a little bit further away. I'm not, I, I think I'm t talking the appropriate distance. Yeah, it's so soft, I can barely hear you. I am having a hard time hearing myself. Yeah, what's going on here? I'm going to turn you up. I'm going to turn you up. Not turn you on. Turn you up. Are you waiting for me to test again? Yeah, I was just kind of waiting for you to say something. Well, you didn't tell me that. Okay. <laughs> and I'm watching our dog sleep with her tongue hanging out of her mouth right yeah. now. Yeah, no, no, no. It's just that you're, you know, like you're my co-host, and I thought you were messing around with dials and stuff. Like you've got like a cockpit and situation over there. <laughs> the situation, uh, as she's talking about, is I've got my computer set up and the uh, podcasting equipment set up on my daughter's little miniature table it like is a literally a little miniature kitchen table it's the cutest little thing it is cute unfortunately it's also her timeout chair so it's also it's like a place of play but also the chair represents terrible terrible things it represents bad behavior <laughs> it does but you know what she loves this table she'll come and sit at it yeah well she sometimes takes her chair over the corner and puts herself in timeout so there's that well yeah but like she's like playing that's what i mean so I don't really know that she thinks that timeout is that terrible of a thing. <laughs> well, she certainly cries. She does. That she does. <laughs> so I think when she's being disciplined, she understands that it's a bad thing. I think so. But then why does she, when she plays, that's what she wants to do? I wonder. Well, I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, hey, La Angela is my wife. She's over here sitting in front of the fireplace. I'm also sort of sitting just off from the fireplace. Um like I mentioned, um, controlling the cockpit of equipment that my wife speaks of. Mm -hmm. uh, she is my wife. Her name is Angela. You can say hi. Hi. And then we have a kid. Her name is McKinley. We, we have a, a puppy here tonight, too. She's our 
Mm. Our co-pilot. Yeah, we're sitting on this like sheepskin. It's a fake sheepskin. You guys can settle down. <laughs> and uh, we put it right in front of the fireplace. And so Angela's is spread out here with a blanket and a robe. And the puppy's here sleeping. And oh my gosh, when we brought this thing home today, McKinley was squealing. She lost her mind I mean, over rubbing it. all over it. And like, it was playtime. I was like kind of surprised about that. Because she's never really cared about anything like that before. Like blankets or anything. So I wonder what it was about this rug that she likes so much. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, anyway, how, how old is she now? She's like 20. She'll be 21 months next week. Yeah. That's scary. I feel, like we've, I feel like we just said she's 19 months. I, I feel like we just 21. said she's like 21 days old. So 21 months. Yeah. Almost 20. Go ahead. I was just going to say it goes by in a flash. Almost 21 months old. She's upstairs sleeping right now. It's about 10 after 10 here. So this is our podcast time. And uh yeah, we figured, um, you know, uh, something happened. Something happened, and I don't honestly remember what it was that gave me the idea to talk about baby food. We're just, we're still having trouble feeding our kid. I know what it was that gave me the idea, but I'm not sure if I should say it on air. Oh, really? Yeah. Is it bad? No, it's not bad. I, I don't know what you're talking about. It was just ideas that, that we were throwing out. Remember the other day? Hmm. Oh, oh, right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. And I just didn't know if we should say it on air. That's all. Oh, it, it, the reason that Angela, she's got, the, she has an idea for another podcast. And it's actually a really cool idea. It could be. But uh, anyway, that got us, that got us pinging some ideas around and we were like, well, what are we going to do this week on Hello Baby? Anyway, um, something we've never really done before, maybe not really a, a standard uh, topic, but I don't know. I, I'm interested in history stuff, so maybe you guys will find this kind of interesting, too. We figured that we would kind of talk about the history or the origins of baby food, yeah. right? Like, do you guys know about that? I have no idea. I, I, I didn't know about it, and I was like, what What did they eat, like, yesteryear? What, is, what does yesteryear even mean? I don't know. <laughs> Last year? I don't know. Years gone by? Yeah. What what they eat in ancient times? What they eat in... You know, all these different areas. Like, what were they eating in, like, the Civil War? Anyway. I just assumed that they breastfed until they had a full mouth of teeth. Well, it's all part of it. We're going to get into it. I've pulled up a few articles, and um, we're going to talk about it a little bit. Okay. So, without uh, further ado, let's uh, hit that music and get started. As a podcast host and a business owner of her own blog and uh, Instagram and all that kind of stuff, Angela's constantly handing out her business cards. That's Matter right. of fact, you just handed one out today, didn't you? I did. I did. We were at this uh, one of Angela's favorite stores uh, and kind of a design place. I and, do that quite often, honestly. And, and it made you look just really professional. And now there might be an opportunity to work with this company well, thanks and babe for saying i look professional well i think so <laughs> i was very proud of you for for uh, pulling out a business card and you know it looked good looked professional and and now you know what it might lead to something yeah so hopefully fingers yeah, crossed having a totally customized professional looking card is an easy way to make a great impression when you hand out business cards from vistaprint you know you're doing more than just passing along your info you're making a connection an impression mm-hmm 
And with the right business card, you can make a statement about yourself that gives your connections a reason to choose you and your business over the competition. So your next big opportunity is coming right now. And we're here to help you own the now with free shipping on any business card in any quantity over at Vistaprint. Ready to get started on your business card? It is easy. Plug your information and your logo into hundreds of fresh designs tailored to your type of company or upload your own original layout. You can pick the paper stock style and quantity. You can even upgrade to a unique touch like rounded corners. You order and receive your cards with free economy shipping. And if you need any more reasons to choose Vistaprint, your satisfaction is 100% guaranteed or your money back. They will make it right. Vistaprint wants you to be able to own the now in any situation, which is why our listeners will get free shipping on all business cards, any style, any quantity. Just go to vistaprint.com and enter promo code BABY2 for free shipping on all business cards, any style, any quantity. Limited time offer. Own the now at vistaprint.com promo code baby two that is promo code baby followed by the number two you support our show when you support our sponsors all right we're back we had a good evening huh mm-hmm. yeah we uh, uh we live uh right near a golf course and um here in ohio and we took kenny out and uh just got a few pictures and took her out. And of course, the the golf course was empty by this time. We would never do this if it was actually golf hours. But right. we went out on the fairway. We we're just running around and throwing the football around in the air. And I was th- I took the football. I was throwing the football to myself, right? Like I was throwing it up in the air to myself and catching it like really high. And she loved it she's just going crazy like it's so funny the things that you discover that just tickle her day to day that your kid likes or doesn't like or whatever i mean no idea i wasn't throwing the football up in the air for her sake necessarily i just grabbed it on the way out for like kind of something to do we were going to go for a little family walk and it ended up just we just ended up on a golf course but i started throwing the football up in the air and oh my gosh she was cracking up loved it Mm -hmm. loved watching the football go up in the air of course like she was losing her balance falling on the ground because her little head was looking up into the sky and turning getting all turned around but (laughs) that was fun so we stayed out there for a while and just ran around and she ran around the the fairway and the green and the sand Mm -hmm. sand traps and all that kind of stuff and i thought it was pretty cute because typically you get in a sand trap and you know you got to rake it out that's like golf etiquette um, so you don't leave a bunch of prints in there and stuff like that. You know, the, the poor little kid is so light. She didn't even leave any prints in the sand. <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, is really, really into hunter boot, her hunter boots right now. She's a pair of, um, pink. Yeah. They're like a really like a, kind of a fuchsia hunter boots, like the rain boots that, um, a family friend bought her and she wants them on all the time. Doesn't she? And so she left the house tonight wearing them and along the way she lost a cup lost one and then lost the other and then she was running around the golf course barefoot. We ended up picking them both up, but it was just cute that she wanted to go out there in her hunters. She's just so so into shoes. She I mean that's the one word. Well, she says two words over and over and over again. Well, two phrases I guess. is shoes over and over and over again. Shoes, shoes, shoes. 
and then oh two 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 and then thank you thank you thank you it's very she's very polite she's very polite but she'll just walk around the house just yelling thank you thank you thank you thank you just over and over she's and thankful. over again she's thankful I guess for so. everything she's got i guess she's so. thankful for her boots and her hunter her hunter boots and her shoes and all that kind of stuff but this kid loves shoes i mean and mm-hmm. she loves being outside she loves our shoes she puts our shoes on all the time too yeah yeah she constantly she likes just, her own ours anybody's she'll bring us her shoes and she wants to go outside but uh i don't know if we talked about this or not but my friend julie solomon she actually has a podcast as well it's called the influencer podcast she came over to visit us the last time we were in la because she happened to be in town as well and she was wearing these fabulous uh christian louboutin leopard heels and she took them off and kenny literally walked right over to those shoes and put them on her feet i have pictures they're so cute do you remember that i do i can't remember if we talked about that before or not but they're so cute yeah so um but anyway it was just fun fun evening fun afternoon you know and and watching mckinley and the joys yeah you know of this afternoon from the blanket being brought home and just like rolling around in it and squealing all this kind of stuff and then the the football and and then we had a we had a good dinner and she ate really well she did we watched moana as a family not the whole movie but probably like the first quarter of it yeah but um so you know in in regards to the food situation we did we have a hard time feeding her just you know doing like for the most part yeah like three meals a day is really tough she just she only eats selective things and you know every day is different yeah, she's and so, so finicky it's always like a successful good meal if she just actually eats the meal and so angela cooked this amazing uh, like organic turkey leg that we got from this this farm which that's a little story all in itself yeah i posted about that on instagram stories oh, the you? other day yeah so she we had that and like this uh pasta type stuff called pastina and then, and then i grew up on pastina and then broccoli and some really good fresh bread and mckinley ate pretty much everything so we were except for the broccoli i couldn't get her to eat the oh broccoli. did she not eat it no and it's weird oh, because man. most of the time she loves broccoli it's whatever she likes one day the next day she doesn't like and then one more day you go past and then she'll like it again she just changes her tastes constantly that's yeah. just i think it's her age i guess so i'm I just happy that she's not a mac and cheese and chicken nugget only kid but she does she, does she might be that way one day uh, she's never really been into mac and cheese but nuggets for sure she likes fish nuggets a lot yeah i know those I, ones from dr prager which is really weird like who who really likes fish nuggets well because i mean as kids i i feel like a common thing is fish sticks you don't think so yeah i guess you're right yeah. So um, anyhow, yeah, but real quick, I got to tell you about this farm thing, because if you don't follow Angela and you didn't see this, it's so interesting. This area of Ohio that we're in right now, I won't name the name necessarily just because I don't know. Man. Well, I tagged the farm on Instagram. It's called, okay. it's called Zoe Farms. All right. Well, yeah. OK. Yeah. It's it's down. It's not near us anyway. It's like down in what? Canton or Maslin? Ohio I don't or know. Something? I think it's past Canton. It's out in the farm, like the boondocks, but uh, it's this crazy farm. <laughs> when I say crazy, it's, not, it's, it's a farm. You go to it, and there's this old caboose, like a train caboose, mm-hmm. and it's not on the tracks anymore. It's just a freestanding building, but you walk in, and there's probably, I don't know, 10 or so deep freezers of, of stuff, and it's all like organic food from that farm, like sausage and turkey turkey legs and um you know uh, cuts of beef and chickens and 
all sorts of meats and, and like jerkies. They sell kombucha there. Uh, they sell, of course, fresh eggs. So all of it comes straight from this farm and is frozen right there. No sales tax. Here's the kicker. Here's the crazy thing is why I said crazy. I've never seen this or heard of this before, and it blows everyone's mind that we tell. This is an honor system. There's no, you don't check out. You go in, you take your food, you write down on a piece of paper what you've gotten, and then you just put money in the in the box, in the cash thing. And the cash box is open with the cash that they've accumulated throughout the day. Oh my gosh, I didn't even think about that. Yes. So there's literally, there could be hundreds of dollars and thousands of dollars worth of frozen foods in this plate. Mm-hmm. Maybe we shouldn't be saying this. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that you'd be a pretty awful person if you go to this farm and you take someone else's money or their product. But yeah. man, it's just, we were so impressed, I guess, by the, I don't know, it's just, it's just cool to like find a place that you know, still believes in like the good of humanity and like the wholesomeness of people enough to run an honor system of food to where you put your own money in and you don't take other people's money. Like, I wonder if they've had issues with that before. I don't know. You would almost think they would like, I don't know. I just, you would have to, right? I mean, people are just not good people anymore. (laughs) I don't know about anymore. I don't know if they ever were. I don't know. But I, whenever I have the opportunity to shop local, I love to do that. So the the idea of us being able to go and, and get, and their meat, like their, their animals that they raise, they have forest raised be, or, uh, pigs and turkeys. They're literally free range, like beyond what <laughs> supermarkets describe as free range. Like it's a literally like you just drive out there and there's just animals everywhere. It's just so cool. And it's I like just, Jurassic Park. <laughs> Yeah, except for not dinosaurs. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder what like a cut of like T Rex like Ew. would be. Probably equivalent you know to I mean? like alligator. Like Phileo Triceratops. Probably like tasting gator, which you've eaten gator before. I have eaten gator. It's gross. True story. My stepdad just went and bought Ugh. a whatever it is, Ugh. a frog gigger to like kill frogs and eat them. I refuse. He thinks it's so awesome and he keeps telling me like every day that he's going to get me to go out. And I'm like, I will not A, kill a frog or B, eat a frog. Like I will not do it. Well, first of all, people, people obviously kill and eat frogs all the time. I know that. All over the place. Just not for me. There, I will say there does seem to be an overabundance of frogs. Oh, there are In these ponds. Yes. Absolutely bonkers. (laughs) But. um, What did I say the other day that you were laughing so hard about, about Oh, about the frog gigging. I go, why would you eat frog legs when you could go to the supermarket up the, up the street and get ethically killed animals? It was just the way she said it. She was like, why, when you could go get ethically oh. killed animals, would you? I'm like, whoa. whoa I, I sound so you? LA. Very, very LA. No, but it's true. I do care about animals, though, and how they're no, killed it, and the life that they have. Of I, course, it is you know, true. I do I, care hey, about that. I I've, mean, I've said on this podcast, I'm the one that'll go to the grocery store and I'll pay more money for free range eggs. 100%. Because like, I believe in the 
the ethical the, treatment hum, of animals. Humanity, yeah. And humanity. In it. Yeah. But then I guess my stepdad, you know, he doesn't because he'll he'll take a frog and whack it over the head and fry it up. So oh, I was just you like envisioned that and it grossed me it's out. It's not really it's not my bag, but here's my deal. I you think only you would not even hunt, babe. That's just like not your thing. My family my family we're always hunters. My family too. Uh here's the thing. It's not really for me. It's, it's not my thing. It's common where we're from, though. Oh, in Ohio and in the South. Extremely common. That's what people do. They hunt. Extremely. I have no problem with it if you eat the animal. If you if you hunt the animal and you eat. It's for game. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't really, I mean. For sport. I mean, that's when, that's when it turns you off. Well, I mean, you see all like the big game hunters in Africa and stuff oh, that like that. that makes me mad. Look, I'm not on the front lines being an advocate for you know, that uh, necessarily, but yeah, I can't stand that. There's just, it just doesn't seem right. We're animal lovers. Yeah, I guess so. We anyway. are. Uh, we really got off topic here. We totally did, but I guess it's still on topic because it's food. It is food. Hey, I do have one thing. Did you happen to read this article about this baby that was born at one pound? No. One pound. So the article was uh, a one-pound micro, they call it a micro-premium. A micro-premium. I haven't even heard of that. Mm -hmm. Goes home after 100-plus days in the NICU. How much did it, is a boy or a girl? Boy, Finn James Hill. And then what? how much did he weigh when he went home? Like five pounds? How'd you know that? Is now because isn't that the, the minimum before they'll send them home? I don't know. Uh, four months old and five pounds, five ounces. Yeah. I think that's the minimum. Mm, Florida. They're from Florida. Yeah. He's born a little at, miracle. Born at 24 weeks. Wow. And he's been through a lot. They, uh, I think they had like IVF and they, they, they were pregnant with twins and one of the twins died at like 10 weeks. Oh, that's I heartbreaking. Know. And then this one was born. Um, at 24 weeks. At 24 weeks. Yeah. And let's see. Doctors uh, told him they had a 50% chance of survival. First few months on a ventilator. Wow. Uh, and that poor little guy had to go under that's the knife. terrible. Uh, had surgery to repair a hole in his heart and to correct an illness in his intestines. We both have, my family more so than yours, I think, have a lot of stories of like just really tragic births that babies, in my family, they've all been able to live through and have healthy lives. In your family, one in particular I'm thinking of not so much. Mm -hmm. So like, I feel like those stories always kind of hit home for us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but hey, this is a good story because they are home now yeah. and they are family. Yeah. And uh, very, very cool. One of Kenny's favorite things to do on her iPad is use this cool new app from Homer. I mean, if you're going to give your kid an iPad, why not make it be an educational time? Yeah. And that's what Homer does. And they've actually found that giving your child 15 minutes a day with the Homer app can actually increase your their reading abilities up to 70%. Yes. It's it so is a cool. proven learn to read program powered by your child's passions. Combine your child's passions and current reading level to create a personalized learn to read plan. Designed for kids ages 2 to 8. Offers thousands of lessons on phonics, sight words, ABCs, and, and more. It grows with your child. It's personalized to them for their age. And take it from me. It's actually really fun because I get on there and I play it with Kenny. It's it's a really fun and cool app. Yeah, I mean, it, it is really cool. And, and what's interesting is you can actually see her progression in the app. Um, you know, one day she'll have it on. 
looking at the stuff. Next day, you you know, she's pushing around on some things. And then the next day, uh, we were sitting there and we were hearing uh, the app talk about, you know, press the yellow one. And then all of a sudden, it was like, yay, good job. And we were like, yeah, Kenny, way to go. <laughs> she pressed the right pressed the right thing. You know, she pressed the monkey or the yellow symbol or whatever. So. Yeah, yeah. And what's really cool, too, is that there's hundreds of stories on there that your kids are going to love, like classic fairy tales. And then anything you know like reading little red riding hood and new favorites like angelina ballerina which i love that story so much yeah visit learnwithhomer.com slash baby to start a free 30-day trial again that's learnwithhomer.com slash baby to start your free 30-day trial uh okay so hey let's move on and um, talk about the history of baby food. The history of baby food. So from the beginning of time, it's been breast milk. Okay, so yeah, I, I did some research, and um, I have a question. Okay, because I'm watching Outlander, you know. Ooh, okay. And in it, there's a lot of references to to wet nurses. Oh. Do those still exist in some cultures? Do you think? Because I I just thought of that just now wet nurses yeah because i know that back in like those days the outlander days that they talked a lot about giving goat's milk to babies so and i think that that might have been as they were probably weaning i don't know i need to look that up but i was just wondering if some cultures if, if wet nurses were still a thing i mean i would have to think wet nurses are still a thing everywhere well, I mean, not like widespread necessarily, but think about it. Like maybe well, just. Well, you can sell your breast milk. Right. I mean, just because you, let's say you can't breastfeed, but but you want to breastfeed and you want your baby to have breast milk. Like you're in the camp of breast is best and that's all you want. So you probably, you know, hire someone to breastfeed or supply supply you with breastfeed. I mean, I'm sure. Probably I'm sure. nowadays it's just pump. Well, sure. Yeah, probably. I could probably still pump for somebody. Yeah, I don't know what's going on I with you. I still have breast milk. It's been it's months. Weird. January, I weaned her. It's the end of September. And I still have breast milk. I wonder if yeah. it's ever going to dry up. Like, I mean... It's not leaking eventually. anymore. But up until a couple months ago, I would still I would still leak. Do you know what I was thinking about, actually, as I was researching this? And thinking about you and, and like the breast milk situation? And how the first few days in the hospital, McKinley cried and cried and cried and was in such a bad mood. And then we were like, oh, she's starving because your breast milk hadn't come in yet. And then mm -hmm. once it did, she was like a different baby, snug as a bug in a rug. But then we went through the process of I had too much breast milk and it was coming down too fast for her. Remember? And she would she would get in excruciating pain, her belly aches and stuff. It's funny because all of the things that I went through that first month of breastfeeding like our next one i'm gonna know right well i was just thinking to myself i mean a i wonder if your your milk would come down like you i know, believe it comes like, down way faster like faster like the the same day you give birth or maybe even sooner or should you start like pumping you know a week or two prior to maybe. when we think you know a next baby would be born and that way when that baby's born it's like you're you're already like going That'd make our little hospital stay a whole lot it would. nicer. Well, it depends because if I if I don't have a C-section, they only keep you for like one night and they send you home. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. Because we were there for like, what, five days? 
Four days? I don't know. I don't think that long. Maybe two, Saturday, two Sunday, days, three Monday, days. Tuesday. Four days. Okay. All right. Well, um, so I pulled up all different sorts of articles and stuff like that. And I actually just found one. Wait a minute. Oh, no. Did I get out of it somehow? No. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? There it is. So I found all different kind of stuff. And I was going to just outline some stuff. But this article is a really good article. And it's a National Geographic article. So I was going to, I was thinking about just reading it. Okay. Are you going to fall asleep if I read this? I hope not. I mean, because it's not a short article. Okay, I'll listen to it. But I'll try to blow through. I just feel like it's super informative and really interesting. Okay. And maybe our listeners might want to hear about it too. So I'm all ears. Okay, again, so this is nationalgeographic.com. I'm not uh, total cred to National Geographic, written by Rebecca Rupp or Roop. This was published about about five years ago, six years ago, something like that. So, um, maybe, I mean, maybe I won't read it verbatim, but, uh, yeah, let's see. I'll just kind of start. Cause I was like, well, what are they, you know, we had baby food and all this kind of stuff. What do they eat before that? Um, shoot. Sorry. Sorry for the delay. Maybe I didn't read through this good enough before we got on the podcast. Sorry. Okay, here we go. Uh, Baby food came about because infants couldn't always be supplied with breast milk. The earliest of artificial baby foods were milk substitutes, desperate alternatives for milkless mothers or motherless babies. Primitive baby bottles date back to at least 2,000 years. They were oblong clay vessels with spouts. Oh, this is terrible. Sometimes sadly found in infant graves. Why would they bury them with bottles? bottles that's odd. Just, yeah. Probably, they probably had some sort of like religious belief or belief that in case the baby woke up, they'd have milk to drink. Yeah, I don't know. It said it baffled archaeologists who identified them as containers for filling oil lamps until analysis of the, the residue showed that they had contained milk. Common substitutes for mother's milk were animal milk usually from cows, sheep, or goats. Milk substitutes and supplements until the mid-19th century were concocted at home in the family kitchen. A standard brew dating at least to the Middle Ages was pap, a slurry of bread or flour in water fed to babies from pap boats. Ceramic containers that look like miniature gravy boats. Sometimes pap was beefed up with sugar, beer, wine, meat broth, or, get this one, in the case of fussy and disruptive babies, opium. What? So they were like literally putting just hardcore drugs in this early type of food, which was just like bread or flour stirred with water. What? Yeah. How yucky is that, by the way? But here, kid, here's some, here's some soaked, mushed up bread and water. I actually feel like I might have known that one now. Well, it makes that. it makes sense. Yeah. Oh, wait, I'm getting I'm getting a buzz on my Fitbit. I'm just I oh, can't. Okay, hit my twenty eight fifty seven calories, twenty eight hundred calories for the day. I just can't get over the opium. That's my brain's still reeling from that. Right. Yeah. 
Uh, Recipes for baby foods were found in early cookbooks lumped together with invalid foods since both, ideally, were bland, soupy, and easy to digest. Sarah Josepha. Sarah Josepha. You never see a name of Josepha. Hale, author of Mary Had a Little Lamb and prime promoter of Thanksgiving as a national holiday, included a chapter on cookery for children in her Lady's New Book of Cookery from 1852. She recommended cow's milk with sugar as food for infants. Which I guess that's sort of what our current milks are, right? Regular milk or formula? No, no, cow's milk. Cow's milk has naturally added sugar, ha- doesn't uh, it? Well, the organic kind does not. It just naturally okay. has sugar in it. Okay. Milk All does. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, for older babies, gruels, which I don't know what a gruel is. Do you? Um, oh, yeah. Gruel is, um, oh, my gosh. Isn't it like a uh, oat? Well, I don't know. Let me Google it. Hold on. So for Gruel o- is a thin liquid food of oatmeal or other meal boiled in milk or water. So gruel, uh, beef tea. So is that like a beef broth, do you think? Yeah, I assume. Yeah. Stale bread boiled in water. And then also vegetables boiled to mush and served plain. Well, that's kind of like baby food anyways. Like a homemade baby food is... Uh huh. Yeah. Boiled. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. No, I'm fruit. saying like back in the 1800s, they were doing this. Here's here's an interesting thing. I've never even heard of this. If the little one is flatulent or bilious, which I assume means gassy. Bilious, isn't that bile? Possibly. Hale suggests adding a dash of curry powder. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Um, hey, here's a little start. This is not the end of the article. I'm gonna keep going here. So this talks about the rise of commercial infant food, right? Because when you think about baby food you, you think about the jars that we have now and the, the all the foods and all that kind of stuff so this was super interesting too the jump from home style to commercial infant formulas and baby foods resulted in the from the industrial revolution and its technological advances in food preservation in the 1860s german chemist justice von leckbig father of five best known for his invention of nitrogen-based chemical fertilizers <laughs> came up with Liebig-soluble food for babies intended to simulate mother's milk. This was a mix of cow's milk, potassium bicarbonate, and wheat and malt flours dried and sold as a powder. Hot on Liebig's heels, Swiss entrepreneur, you'll recognize this name, Henry Nestle, Mm -hmm. came up with a mix of wheat rusk crumbs mixed with sweetened condensed milk, dubbed Nestle's Milk Food, was promoted as better than milk. An ad of the 1880s quoted in Amy Bentley's comprehensive history, Inventing Baby Food, reads, so this was the ad from Nestle's Milk Food in 1880. There was an old woman, there was an old woman who lived in a shoe. She had so many children, she knew not what to do. Some she nursed and some bottle fed, but those raised on Nestle's food came out far ahead. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So they were using that. Uh, Also fun thing. I actually Googled that. You can look up a picture of Nestle's milk food. I mean, it's like the funniest, um, like primitive labels. Look at that. Can you see that, babe? It's like, yeah, it's like the hand drawn. So what years would that have been? It looks like a newspaper. Uh, That would have been like, uh, hang on. That that was like uh, 1880s. 
I love that kind of stuff. The vintage old. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah, it's I love cool. It. Love it, love it. Um, okay. Milk substitutes were sometimes fatal for infants. So in, in, in contrary to what the rhyming ad said, it says actually babies raised on the new milk substitutes came out far behind. Until the discovery of vitamins in the 20th century, the substitutes inevitably lacked crucial nutrients and had to be mixed with milk, which until the advent of pasteurization often was contaminated or spoiled. One source estimates that in the 19th century, a third or more of artificially fed infants died. And that's the 15th century, you said? No, babe. 19th century? You said 19th century. I was thinking, yeah. how in the world would that be in the 15th century? Yeah, 19th. But that's you're on your phone, so you're probably I, not I listening. I heard exactly what you said about them. What? <sighs> Whatever. You get mad at me for calling you out. What are you doing on your phone? Nothing. Literally. Okay. <laughs> the big sell on baby food, however, began in the 1920s. It's a tribute to the power of advertising that canned, strained peas, and pureed prunes sold steadily through the Depression when no one had much cash to spare. Among the earliest and most successful of the baby food purveyors, purveyors were Frank and Daniel, you'll recognize this one, Gerber hmm. of Fremont, Michigan, who tested their first batches of slurpy fruits and veggies on Daniel's baby daughter, Sally. By 1930, the Gerber plant was turning out an annual 842,000 cans of baby food. One year later, production had jumped to over 2 million cans. Wow. What What does that remind you of? What? Baby Boom. The Baby Boom? The movie Baby Boom. It's so fun, funny because they talk about the, the Diane Keaton Baby yeah. Boom, where she moves from the city. Mm -hmm. She's like a high-powered... Manhattan attorney or something starts. Yeah, she adopts a baby, sauce. moves to the New York countryside, and starts making her own baby food. It's a really cool movie, fun movie. It's I love when I was little. I watched that movie so many times. Yeah. So what's funny is I, I went to the Gerber website and like Googled Gerber, and on their own website they have a history of um, history and heritage of the company. And I thought this was kind of fun too. So I'll read this here because we're talking about Gerber. In in 1867, Henry Nestle. A pharmacist who was asked to look in on a neighbor's child who couldn't breastfeed. So the guy was a, a pharmacist and just said, hey, like, can you go check out my neighbor? Uh, they, they, she can't breastfeed. The baby thrived on the special mixture that Henry created. Soon, Nestle's invention, the world's first infant food was being sold throughout Europe. And the first infant food company, Farron Lacti Henry Nestle, was launched. <laughs> um, shortened it to Nestle. That was a smart decision. Um, so Gerber products also began with attention to one baby. Following the advice of the pediatrician in the summer of 1927, Dorothy Gerber started straining solid foods for her seven-month-old Sally. After repeating the process many times, Mr. Gerber suggested her husband, oh, Mrs. Gerber suggested her husband try it. She watched Dan make several attempts and then pointed out that the work of straining fruits and vegetables could easily be done at their canning business. Workers in the plant began requesting samples for their own kids, and the legacy of Gerber began. Kind of like a right place at the right time. Like, you know, the, like the, the guy already had a canning plant. So, man. I mean, that's got to be like I mean, billion-dollar company. Billion-dollar company. Hey, fun thing about the Gerber baby, because everyone asks about the, the famous Gerber baby. So, 
for a long, long time, that baby, you guys probably know what I'm talking about. It's like that hand-drawn, pencil-looking baby with the big old eyes and the little pursy lips. Everybody knows the Gerber baby. Right. So that did you know that it was once rumored to be Humphrey Bogart or Elizabeth Taylor? What? That was supposedly the rumor. I've never heard that. And, and you know I love old Hollywood. And Gerber stayed mum about it because, of course, they probably wanted people to think it was Oh, yeah. Humphrey that was Bogart great press for them. Like, right? So anyway... 40 years later, they finally admitted that the famous face that was the mist was that of mystery novelist Ann Turner Cook, who, when she was a baby, lived next door to an artist, Dorothy Hope Smith, who did the original sketch. My dad's baby pictures look like the Gerber baby. Wasn't your dad like the Akron yeah. baby something? He was voted Akron's most beautiful baby of the year. Yeah, I don't know if he still would hold that title, but, uh, <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, let's see. Okay. By the 1950s, egged on by persistent marketers and supported by pediatricians, 90% of Americans fed their babies commercial baby food, which was quick, convenient, and ready to eat straight from the can. Yes, can. Mm. So I guess I guess our parents, all they were already eating baby food from the can. 19- I mean, it makes sense. I mean, we still eat food from from the can. I wonder why they decided to go to, to glass jars versus can. Well, I think probably the obvious, like the metals and all that kind of stuff in the can. I mean, but why why are they still selling vegetables, like organic vegetables in cans then? Yeah, true. I don't know. In 1977, the jar came along. So by 2002, the, that figure of people giving their kids uh, the, the, the baby food is at 99%. Today, baby food is a multi-billion dollar global business. The average American baby consumes 600 jars of commercial baby food by the time he or she is one years old how much is a jar of baby food the cost of it yeah it depends i mean give me an average two dollars because some no, are like 99 cents i would say i would say about 97 cents probably if you go to like walmart and you're looking at like the lower end brands okay so that's so we're saying average that's uh, what i would guess uh, i need to look though you're now. spending about 600 probably six to seven hundred dollars on jars of baby food by the time they're one years old Okay, so here's funny what you were saying. In the in the nineteen eighty seven movie Baby Boom, Diane Keaton, yeah, yeah, power executive turned mom moves to Vermont with her adopted baby daughter, starts homemade baby food business. It's a good move in more ways than one. Keaton makes money and meets a dishy country veterinar- veterinarian, Sam Shepard, and Elizabeth mm-hmm. gets healthy food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man. So obviously there is a wave here uh, presently of parents now worrying about these processed baby foods talking about there's too much sugar salt preservatives or contaminants such as pesticides in them Mm -hmm. so now people are going back to the uh the old-fashioned uh like we did work intensive and it's not not that hard to make baby food at all and it really doesn't take that much time so in the 50s and 60s that's what they that's how they marketed the baby food by saying hey the 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 old handmade baby food is work intensive and possibly unsanitary well they didn't have magic bullets or nutribullets back then they i'm sure they had blenders but can you imagine the cleanup and all of that where they probably mashed by hand a lot of stuff true so they boiled and boiled and boiled and boiled yeah so now, it says DIY versions are now perceived as wholesome, natural, environmentally friendly, and socially admirable, which, uh, you know, we, we did do that. We did a lot of homemade baby food for we, McKinley. I mean. We did a little, we did, not, I don't even think, not even half and half, maybe like, what, 
10, 20%. I mean, early on. Early on, it was 100%. 100%. Uh, homemade. Homemade. And then slowly and gradually, I would buy her those Pouches. once upon the farm. That's the first thing that we really introduced brand Those are, um, from what we understand, super high quality pouches, They're by the way. They're pressed. Yes. A lot of nutrients. So, I was told, I don't know if this is accurate, accurate, but I was told that she can get way more nutrients from having um, a cold pressed packet of fruit or vegetables than homemade because of the way that they preserve it. Um, and it came, and one of my friends who told me that, I I believe that she knows what she's talking about. So, you know, I, I felt good about giving that to her. Slowly, I would buy other brands, but I would be very careful about the brands that I bought for her. And I would also reference, um, what was that website that I looked at? We talked about it before on the podcast, um, that you can look up the um, brands of baby foods. And it doesn't go by brands, it goes by specific product. And it tells you if there's any arsenic, pesticides, whatever in it. And it was really hard for me to find a good oatmeal, baby oatmeal, that was clean. Like even the organics of just because something's labeled organic, guys, does not mean that it's truly organic or that it's free of crud, of formaldehyde and pesticide. And like I said, arsenic, there's traces of arsenic in everything. It's crazy. Not truly everything, but a lot of things. And um, I really just put my time and effort into shopping smart when it came to feeding her. And it also made me wise up a little bit about what we were eating. And um, especially lately with my dad's uh, cancer diagnosis, it's really made me a get on to him about the way that he eats, which he's never really been a bad eater, but like it makes me really conscientious. There's always of room for I'm improvement. Buying. Right. Yeah. And that's one of the big reasons I sought out this farm this last week is I was like, you know what? Like how much processed meat have we eaten throughout the years? Like I'm not, I'm like, I'm going to do my best to go out of my way to find the cleanest source of, of food for my family. So anyways, yeah, I went off on a tangent there. No, it's right. Um, uh, I, uh, Cooks and celebrity chefs are now hopping on the baby uh, baby food bandwagon. Um, Tyler Florence, star of the Food Network's How to Boil Water and Food, 911, uh, has invented a whole line of organic baby foods. Well, you know who is, owns Once Upon a Farm, right? Jennifer Gardner, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what are the odds? That's like a lot a of really celebrities odd... get into the baby arena. You know, Honest Company with Jessica Alba mm -hmm. and, and Dax she Shepherd. She was in a lot and... of trouble, though. Yeah. Jessica Alba. That's right. Yeah, about not being like totally forthcoming Inclusive. yeah right no forthcoming about what was actually which in is her weird products. because the whole premise of honest companies were honest about what's in a product right so that was like yeah hot and water. then hello bella was owned by Kristen bell bell and dax shepherd and yeah, they've been right. getting some terrible press too mm. i told you about that right yeah you did yeah uh chef and food writer anthony bourdain listen this is kind of funny repeat uh, i'm sorry reportedly treated his baby daughter to such homemade gourmet meals as nettle risotto with pecorino, pecorino cheese. <laughs> of course, he's like a food guy and he's uh, giving pecorino cheese to his infant. I've definitely given it to Kenny. Well, right, but she's also, you know, like 21 months old. It says bland is no longer thought to be better. Instead, experts suggest that varieties of flavorful and colorful foods encourage babies to grow up to be adventurous adult eaters. But no matter how no matter how tempting, American Academy of Pediatrics recommends that parents lay off solid baby food, at least for the baby's first six months of life. Instead, during that first half year, Academy pushes for 
you probably guessed it, breastfeeding, which confers a multitude of benefits just beyond uh, beyond plain food. Um, blah, blah, blah. We all know about breast uh, milk and, and all that kind of stuff. I did see a lot of... Some evidence suggests that breast milk even acts as a pheromone, chemical signal between mother and baby. Yeah, we knew all that. Oxytocin and all that. Mm-hmm. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, oh, I, what I was going to say is I did see a lot of some comments and stuff. People were asking like, well, if you know, if you're not supposed to give your your baby food before six months old, like how did they know in ancient times? Um you know, when to give their kids food. And, and also, by the way, I did look up like other cultures and stuff, what they give their babies like throughout history and Bible times and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And really um, the majority seems to be like, whether it's a rice base or a, an oat base or something, it's basically that same type of stuff. It's like a rice and water or rice and uh, milk mix soupy mix or bread and milk or bread and water soupy mm-hmm. mix or a cereal type thing it's kind of all the same uh, the same premise i mean everybody same, had the same idea yeah basically. everyone had the same type of ideas yeah um but um yeah the the, the article kind of goes on to say uh you know don't do solid food um too quickly um oh in the comments were saying how they know and then um some other people were saying well like think about it it's pretty it's pretty natural uh, you know, they didn't have any teeth, obviously. Mothers were um, breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. I guess they, they, they just, they knew to breastfeed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also kind of like went along with cultures. You don't have a food source and, and you, you know, you're not getting food every day. You're still producing milk. Mm-hmm. So even when like food is a little bit scarce for the adults, the infants can still survive because there is still breast milk. So it all just kind of fell into place in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how do they know after six months? Well, they were talking about that's also probably a natural progression. You know, it still happens today. Uh, some babies start rejecting mother's milk and start reaching for what mom is eating. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. And so, you know, I mean, at, to be fair, Kenny started solids at four months. Yeah. She was way ahead of other, other kids in that arena, but she's behind in other things. Right. And um, she was a chunk. She was a little porker. Yes, she was. She got her <laughs> she's, calories. That's, she's definitely thinned out. Yeah, yeah she yeah. she looked like a little breast baby. Yeah. Um, so the article it does go on to mention um, uh, research indicates that kids allowed to eat um, in a healthier manner when they're younger. You know, I think this is probably pretty obvious. Have healthier diets. They consume fewer calories and uh, more. Oh, yeah. So it's saying once they are ready for solid foods, it's better to give them nutritious finger foods, let them feed themselves, than mm-hmm. giving them like processed purees. And supposedly studies show that they grow up and they uh, are able to maintain appropriate weights later in life because obviously obesity is an epidemic in the U.S. One out of every three adults is clinically obese. Wow. Yeah. 12% of kids aged two to five. Is more than double what it was 30 years ago for being... Uh, That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it makes me mad, though, that eating healthy is so much more expensive in our country than, it, than yeah. eating unhealthy. Yeah, yeah. Like, to go to... I mean, let's let's just put it in perspective. Chick-fil-A isn't healthy, but to go to Chick-fil-A to eat a meal versus going to McDonald's or Taco Bell, 
Look at the difference. I don't know. Maybe. According to 2008 Feeding of Infants and Toddlers study, it's called FITS, a third of kids get no fruit daily. And among babies and toddlers, the most commonly consumed vegetable is the French fry. It's time for something completely different. Even in this age of budgetary cutbacks, we need to put more money and thought into giving our babies a healthy start. Um, that's the end of the article there. This is that, ringing uh, a bell to me. Do you remember? We I cannot remember the name of the company that makes the uh, fresh baby food in LA that they deliver it to your door. That we would buy it at the farmers market. Oh, you know what I'm uh, talking about? Weren't they a sponsor on the podcast? Or am no. I wrong? No, they weren't. They oh, were oh, just the a ones local. That we bought at the farmer, the, the farmers farmer. market. Right, yeah. Right, right, right. Um, anyways, the. The owner of that company, she's just this really sweet woman, and she was she took some time with Matt and I one day to, to just talk to us about feeding McKinley, and she just she had uh, gotten on to us about giving her too many pureed foods, that we were going to delay her speech if she didn't actually learn to use her teeth to grind and chew her food. Do you remember that? I do remember that, which is a a weird thing to think about. Like, why does what she's eating delay and why does using teeth delay speech? But, you know, she isn't talking much. However, she has been, I feel like she chews really well with her teeth. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not sure that there's a correlation there. No, but it was just, it was a very interesting conversation. So guys, feel free to weigh in on that one. You know, if you guys have heard that before, you've not heard that before, or maybe a speech pathologist is listening and is like, that's malarkey. You know, I just, if you have an opinion, let us know. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. She also um, told us to stop worrying so much about what she's eating, that it's not our responsibility as parents to make sure that our child eats, but it is our responsibility as parents to provide good, wholesome, healthy food. And then you cannot make your child eat. And I was like, like you can't physically force food down their throat is what she's saying. Right. All which, you can do which as a parent, I have tried. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> all you can do as a parent is, is provide the food, put it in front of them, give them a variety of things. Uh, and hopefully give them healthy choices essentially. Yeah. 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 You know, I I have a lot of parent guilt about like about that though, because we constantly give her bad stuff. I mean, we give her good stuff, but we have to, we give her bad stuff too. I mean, we, unfortunately, I think we're just more realistic in the way that like, what do we love to do? Organic cold press stuff, you know, every single day and every single meal and every bite. Yeah. But we don't, we can't. And that's hard because she won't eat half the stuff. And then sometimes you just have to give her an uncrustable peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Well, I mean, to be fair, I buy organic <laughs> Uncrustables, too. I try my best. How do you have an organic Uncrustable? I don't know, but Just I buy like them the at Just like the peanut butter there. and stuff? Mm-hmm. Everything's organic in it. The Uncrustables brand? It's Oh, no. I don't buy the Smuckers brand. I buy I buy the ones at Earth Fair. They're the Earth Fair brand or whatever. Oh, I thought those were Smuckers brand. The ones that are in there right now with the turkey and cheese? Yeah. Those are Earth Fair. What about the peanut butter and jellies? We don't have any of those. What do you mean? I gave her one last night. That was the last of them. I've been buying what everything Okay, but else. those are Smuckers. Yeah, but I didn't buy those. Uh-huh. I, don't th- I don't think I bought those. Did you buy those? I bought one box. I don't, to be, I don't buy that stuff for her. <laughs> okay. I buy everything from like Whole Foods for her. I buy like the healthiest of healthy. <laughs> okay, great. So it's just me? Yeah. Okay, perfect. <laughs> anyway. Well, uh, hey, I don't know if you got anything more to add to this podcast other than throwing me under the bus. I'm not throwing you under the bus. I'm just saying she eats, she probably eats way healthier than you and I did as kids. I, I would definitely, definitely agree with I that. I mean, do you know another child who loses their marbles over kombucha? 
<laughs> I don't even know if that's healthy. She's 21 months old. Kombucha's got al- like naturally occurring fermented I know, alcohol. But I, I water it down. No, I know. I'm and kidding. And she eats salmon. She does. Do you know very many 20-month-olds that you can think of that would eat salmon? Look, I feel like you're getting Brussels offended uh, offended at what I'm saying here. No, I'm not at all. Like I'm just de- saying defending that, that we... I'm just saying that I feel like she's she's pretty um, diverse in her in her taste, I, which I'm actually quite proud of. I, I do think she is. She's not a, like you mentioned, chicken nuggets and mac and cheese only. I'm just saying that, let's be real, mealtimes are hard. I think they're hard oh, yeah. for anyone. It's not... She won't just sit down and, you know, pat her mouth with a napkin and say, thank you, daddy. Can I have some more broccoli and salmon? It's not that way. okay? but she will eat salmon every time. And I'd wonder what it is about that. I don't know. Either way. Hey, uh, uh, follow me uh, at Matt Lanter. Follow my wife at Angela Lanter. And uh, also the podcast uh, Instagram page at Hello Baby Podcast. Please leave us some feedback or uh, reviews. You can do that on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, and we will read those. Uh, send us over some DMs on the uh, the old Instagram handle, and we will read those. I think we're thinking about doing like a Q and A um, episode next week or a feedback episode. So you know, get some of those questions in, or get some of that feedback in, and and um, you know, we'll we'll put you on the show. Um, for your question. So anyway, we love you guys and we hope you have a great evening or night or day or wherever you're listening or whenever you're listening. And um, I think that's a bit about it. Signing off from this fake sheepskin rug in front of the fireplace. (laughs) I am Matt Lanter. I'm Angela Lanter. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye.